thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Hi, and welcome to um, week four of this brilliant series we've been in um, called The Story I Tell. And if you haven't seen the other three weeks, can I please encourage you that online, listen to them in your car when you exercising. You really, really shouldn't miss what's being said over these last few weeks. And last week, if you saw it, Leon spoke about how we could be part of the bigger story. And this we're going to lead on from that. And I'm going to look at, um, but that's great. But what if you feel, what if you feel that you've got nothing to give, that you're at the end of yourself, that you're not sure what you've got to offer anymore, if you've just, just had enough? And sometimes it's the little things, isn't it? They can, the straw that breaks the camel's back, as that famous phrase says. And uh, I don't know whether you've ever felt that if one more thing just happens, if one more thing, I'm just going to lose it. I'm just going to lose it. Do you know the truth is that sometimes others may be able to spot before we do what's really going on on the inside of us. And we're going to look at this morning what God has to say about this topic, about how we can avoid burnout. And really what that's all about is the need for our own self-care. And many of us will have stories of times, you know, when we felt at the end of ourselves, when physically, emotionally, and even spiritually. But this isn't a new issue. This isn't a symptom of our current culture. This isn't like a trending topic. But what can happen is so often is that our stories can stall or sadly even stop when we hit times like this in our lives. But we're going to look at an example this morning with a guy called Elijah. And it shows us how that when we encounter experiences like this in our lives, this can still be a chapter in our story worth telling. And Elijah's story is going to help us this morning learn how God deals with us when we feel overworked and overstrained. And I love the Bible because it's so full of, you know, of stories about people just like you and me, right in your living room this morning, just like you may be feeling. Elijah was just as human as we are, just as susceptible to burning out, not looking after himself, giving up, just as we are. And so much so that a book in the New Testament called James, in, in chapter 5, verse 17, says this, that Elijah was a man just like us. It was worth recording. And we're going to look at Elijah's problems and God's solutions. And whether you would call yourself a Jesus follower this morning, I guarantee that there's something helpful for you in what I'm going to say today. If you found yourself, even this week, going, I've just had enough. I've just had enough. So before we can look at God's answers, we need to find out what led Elijah to the place he was at. So what conditions led Elijah to being there? Well, the first thing he had was unrealized expectations. Unrealized expectations. If you read Elijah's story back in 1 Kings, um, in just the previous chapter to the one we're going to look at this morning, he'd just taken on 850 really angry prophets. He'd proven that the God who he served was the only true God by calling down fire from heaven. He'd won. He'd won. Elijah should have been out there celebrating, celebrating. But here he is hiding and feeling discouraged. Listen, after being threatened by one woman. One woman. Now what does that say about our gender? I'm just going to leave that hanging, but it was one woman. 
Elijah had unrealized expectations. He expected things to go so great after his, after his victory. He thought he'd be embraced as the winner. He thought they'd be chanting his name, but he was treated and called an enemy. When he should have been hoisted on people's shoulders and carried down the mountain, here we find him sick as a parrot, depressed, in despair, running away for his life and giving up hope. From the mountain, he's in the valley. And we find the story in 1 Kings 19, and we're going to pick it up at verse 1. I'm going to read it to you from the New International Version. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, and how he'd killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me be ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. So moving from unrealized expectations, that caused Elijah to have a, tra a, um, a reaction to the traumatic events that he'd gone through. And Elijah had just experienced the most exciting moment in his life. And it should have been the best moment of his life. Do you know what? His adrenaline would be pumping. And adrenaline gets us through, but at the end it leaves us drained. Elijah was physically, mentally and spiritually exhausted. And therapists today would call that he's suffering from burnout. He's suffering from burnout. And the truth is that when we walk towards a goal and we give it everything we've got, everything we can, we go all out, whether the outcome ends in failure or not, we still feel absolutely done in. We lose our energy, we lose our motivation, and even interest in things around us. And that's where Elijah's at. But Elijah also knows that Jezebel and her husband were systematically killing all of the prophets that belonged and spoke up on behalf of God. So when he hears that Jezebel is out to kill him, naturally he stresses out. He stresses out. And the issue here isn't that we shouldn't feel this way. What I'm not saying to you today is that we should never feel um, unmotivated. We should never feel at the end of ourselves because we will and we do and we will again. The crux comes in the decisions we make following that. And this is where Elijah's self-care plan starts to fail. He worries and he runs off. And what does he do? What we do, what I do, he starts to make poor decisions. Poor decisions. You know, poor decisions can make us feel more discouraged and more depressed and more low. And instead of getting help, did you notice what Elijah does? He chooses, he chooses to isolate himself. He travels 80 miles into enemy territory and then went on his own. Now, I'm an introvert. I tick a lot of boxes for an introvert. But I want to be honest with you. I know the difference between when I'm recharging on my own, and I love to do that, I love my own company, but I know the difference inside of me when I'm choosing to recharge and when I'm choosing to isolate myself. There's a huge difference. 
When I know I'm isolating myself, it's often because people are irritating me around me and I just can't stand to have people around me. And so I withdraw. That isn't me recharging. That's me isolating. So I can kind of understand why Elijah felt that way. Because after everything he'd given, the results seemed to be such a huge disappointment. It was a big anticlimax. What had he got to show for it? But notice what Elijah does. He leaves his servant there. He chooses to isolate himself. And then he's alone. He pushed away his best friend. This is what not to do when we feel like this. Proverbs 27 verse 10 says this. It says, do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family. And do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Why? Because a better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. What's God trying to tell us about that? He's telling that isolating ourselves only brings us, as the next thing Elijah does, that emotion of loneliness. Ever felt lonely? It's horrible, isn't it? It's horrible. It's such a deep-seated, gut-wrenching emotion. And it was true at one point for Elijah. When he was on top of that mountain and he was facing those prophets and he was praying to God, he was on his own physically but there are people around us and maybe we just don't see them when we feel that way and we can feel abandoned but the bible tells us that we need to build up those relationships around us you see god knows what we like he knows how we like it to respond and it isn't always the wisest decisions that we're going to make but then elijah descends into self-pity and that's always a dangerous state to be in can't see any way out can't see any way forward, cannot see how this is going to get any better. It's just too much. Let me tell you, the truth is that our problems may be too much for us, but no problem is too much for God. No problem is too much for God. But Elijah ignores that. And then what does he do? He starts negative self-talk. Can we recognize ourselves in his journey? Negative self-talk. You see, Elijah wasn't enjoying his own company, was he, when he was walking into the desert? He wasn't going for a long stroll on himself, recharging his batteries. What's the story he's telling right at this point? What's the story he's telling? He's giving himself negative self-talk. Can't handle this anymore. I'm done. I'm done. My life's terrible. I can't cope. I give up. I've got no value. I've got no value. I don't count for anything. I might as well not be here. And that's the spiral. He goes on. Do you know when I use myself as the only standard of measurement and I become my own sounding board, I never ever do a good job of helping myself. And here's Elijah talking himself into an even worse state. You see what happens is we depreciate our own self-worth. We become our own worst critic. And just like Elijah, exhaustion will rob you of perspective. Exhaustion will rob you of perspective. We start to blame ourselves for things, you know, that aren't even our fault, that we have no control over. And we can't control everything, but we feel like, we feel like we have to. I have to work everything out. And Rick Warren has this great phrase. He says it like this, if it is to be, it's up to me. I want to tell you that's not true this morning. That's not true. Wherever you are in your world right now, however you're feeling, that is not true. 
But then Elijah goes a further step. He then starts praying to God negatively. He's talked himself into such a state that look how he's praying. He's praying to the God who gives life to kill him and take it away. Elijah faced all kinds of problems. I can see that. He's exhausted. He's fearful. He's lonely. He's disappointed. He's full of self-pity. Classic symptoms of what today we would call stressed. Stressed out, burnt out, worn out. Am I speaking to anybody like that today? Are you tired of running and running but never getting anywhere? Do you know what? But God hears him. God hears him. And how does he answer? And this is really what I want us to focus on today. God writes a self-care prescription plan for Elijah, which is the same prescription plan he would write for you today if you were sitting in the GP's office with him. Exactly the same. And it may not be what we think. So let's get back to the story. 1 Kings 19, picking it up in verse 6. And all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey's too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he travelled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. So what's the first thing on God's prescription list today for us? Sleep and nourishment. I can sleep and eat. Can you sleep and eat? Listen, this is, this is tick one. If we can sleep and eat, we can journey home. God saw Elijah's exhaustion and understood why he was feeling that way. And when we feel exhausted, I've got less control over my emotional state. Worry grips me harder. Temptations seem to be harder to overcome. But notice what God doesn't do. He doesn't say, just get over yourself, Elijah. Will you, stop, will you pull yourself together? Will you stop wallowing in your own self-pity? Look at what you've done. Look at what you've just done and now you're feeling like this. What's the matter with you? Get up off your lazy backside and get on with the job. doesn't say that. But neither does he say, it's going to be okay, Elijah. Just come on. Give us a hug. It'll be okay. Cheer up a bit. We'll have a few jokes and a few laughs. He doesn't do that either. What does he do? He gives Elijah sleep, food, then more sleep and more food. Every problem can be partly resolved by a proper diet and a good night's sleep. Can't it? We all know that we need the right balance of physical, mental and spiritual things to flourish but we forget those things and we find ourselves running on empty so quickly and things can often look better after a good night's sleep and a good meal or two but we can become so consumed by something that we end up neglecting our basic needs we end up neglecting our basic needs and you might not be even aware that you're doing it today you might be going through the motions of eating and sleeping but maybe maybe your meals are rushed or they're not as healthy as they should be. You've had takeout four times this week. 
Or how many of you are skipping meals? Maybe you forget breakfast on the way out. Or maybe lunch is that thing that you call lunch, but really at your desk frantically typing away and shoving a sandwich in your mouth. Or maybe you're drinking lots of coffee or, or monster energy drinks, drinks to make up for that lack of sleep you've had. Listen, that's a recipe for disaster over time. Like an Elijah, we can get caught up in that cycle of running and running and running and never stopping, but never really getting anywhere either. We get so exhausted, I can get so exhausted that I forget why I was originally motivated to do that thing in the first place. And then I start wondering what the point of it all is anyway. So why don't we address it? Why don't I address it? We can have a tendency to feel guilty about taking time out to look after ourselves. The Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So it follows that we should, we should place a high value on looking after ourselves well, but we don't. And in today's world, being constantly busy can seem just unavoidable. So making the time to care for yourself requires intentional focus intentional focus. You need to take time aside, maybe plan your meals, take some exercise, take some rest, enjoy that hobby or two, it's okay. Have a quiet time, some time alone with God. That could mean that some of us, some of you watching today, need to consciously shift your priorities a little. And I just want to say something here, and I really felt prompted to put this in when I was preparing for this this week. Some of us may be really fortunate to have somebody in our lives who picks up the pieces. What do I mean? Picks up those pieces when we forget to look after ourselves. You know that person, that friend, that partner, you know, part of your family, that person that reminds you about that appointment you've got to be at today, that drags you away from your computer at 2am in the morning, that makes sure you're not just eating junk food. They're a real blessing, aren't they? But boy, can I take them for granted. What I don't notice is that they're spending time looking after things that I should be taking care of myself. And that sounds really harsh, but with some things, if I just prioritise better, had a little bit more self-awareness, I could carry that burden myself. Because neglecting ourselves so that someone else has to do the hard work is beneficial to nobody. Ultimately, I bear the responsibility for my own self-care. And I can justify overlooking it because I'm too busy helping, I'm too busy serving, I'm too busy working. But if serving others comes at the expense of my own health, I'm no use to anybody. And Ephesians 2 verse 10 says that we are God's handiwork. That's you watching today right where you are. That's you in the room if you're here. You are worth taking care of. And actually you need to take care of yourselves so that you can help other people. And those others you are helping deserve the very best version of you that you can be. So sleep and food. We can do that. Never make a decision when you're tired. Sleep on it. That's your physical self-care. Back to the story. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. And they've put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. What's happening here? The second thing on God's prescription list, he allows us to vent. Vent. 
God allowed Elijah to repeatedly vent his frustrations and angst. And when we do this, I've got to be honest, we tend to exaggerate our problems. Oh, is that a bit hurt? We do, we exaggerate. Elijah, I'm the only one. He can't get the picture right. Ever been that tired you can't think straight? Elijah makes it sound like it's the whole world against him and it's one woman. Now that one woman may seem like the whole world. Elijah is listening to his feelings rather than the facts. I feel it, therefore it must be true. Do you know, I have to remind myself loads of times that my emotions can lie, you know. My feelings can lie to me. They're unreliable. They're unreliable. And you might feel right where you are today that God isn't very close to you. Here's the truth. God is just as close to you right now as he is when you feel close to God. The truth will change you, not your feelings. But God allows Elijah to vent his feelings, and that's a start. And God wasn't shocked with how Elijah felt. You know, God doesn't fall off his throne if I tell him how I'm feeling. When we can express our emotions and our feelings, it helps reduce our emotions that are going on and swirling around on the inside of us to more tangible thoughts and words, and then I can start to identify exactly what I'm feeling and thinking. Revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. Revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. And somebody once said this to me, and it's always stuck with me, that any area of my life that I can't talk about is out of control. And when they said that to me, I balked a little bit at it. But I went away and thought about that. And you might not agree with that statement, but I found it to actually be true that if I can't talk about it, I'm probably not managing it very well. If I can't talk about it, I'm probably not managing it very well. So I need to learn to vent upwards to God, though, as well as outwards to the people around us. Face your frustration. Talk to God. God will listen until you run out of words and then some. That's the start of our emotional self-care. Back to the story, verse 11, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord's about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. What's the third part of his self-prescription plan? His own still, small voice. And the ultimate answer, you know, to when we find life is hitting us hard and draining us is that we need to rediscover and refocus on God. And God said to Elijah, what are you doing here? It wasn't because he didn't know the answer. And Horeb was another name for Mount Sinai. And, and if you, you know about that mountain, that's where Moses received the Ten Commandments from God many, many, many years before. When we're feeling far away or disconnected from God, it can be good to make our way back to where we've met God in the past, where we felt close to him in better times, back to a place where we know God can be found. Where is that for you? Where is that for you? 
And I think that's why Elijah was at Horeb. Because God's presence had been there so powerfully in the past. And maybe he just knew that God would be there. But when we find ourselves in these circumstances, when I find myself in these circumstances, I often disconnect even more. I isolate even more. And I want to urge you today, if you haven't read your Bible or spoken to God for a while, start again. If you haven't been part of your connect group for a while, if you've not, you know, um, tuned in and Zoom for a while, go again this week. If you aren't part of one yet, start a conversation to join. If you've stopped connecting with church as often as you did, whether online or now there's the opportunity to join us in the room, do it. Watch it. Self-care, we're stronger together. We are stronger together. And God told Elijah to go out and stand on the mountain. And God puts on this amazing, you know, pyrotechnic show. I mean, you know, bonfire displays have nothing on what God probably showed Elijah that day. He sent three noisy things which didn't contain God's presence. But then a fourth more quiet one did. And even though God invited Elijah at the beginning to go out and see. Do you remember he said, go out and stand on the mountain. Elijah didn't go until the fourth thing came. When he wrapped his face in his mantle, in his cloak. And he went out to the mouth of the cave. Why is that important to know? Because this was a common Jewish reaction that whenever you thought you might be in the presence of God, you wrapped your cloak around you. Elijah knew God was in that whisper. No detail is written in the Bible for nothing. Everything has a purpose if we'll only look for it. And that's the start of our spiritual self-care. So just coming to the end of the story, Lord said to him, go back the way you've come. Go to the desert of Damascus, and when you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Mahola, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. This is the incredible thing about what God does. He brings a renewal of purpose and reassurance. God gives Elijah a whole new set of assignments. Nothing helps us overcome discouragement and make us feel like we're, um, we're burning on all cylinders again, like rediscovering purpose. And purpose isn't a destination. Purpose is a journey we are on with God and I've never arrived. And things are never as bad as they may appear where God's concerned. Elijah insisted twice, twice that he was the only surviving worshipper of God. And God told him he was one amongst 7,000. Do you know, I've often found that whenever I have one of my own little pity parties, God usually shows up in another person who, seems, who, who is having a much more difficult problem in their life, which gives my problem some more perspective. Renews my purpose, reassures me. And then finally, what does he do? He's not finished with Elijah yet. He gives him a friend. He gives him a friend. The Lord gave the solitary, isolating Elijah a best friend, Elisha. Elisha shared the load. 
And a healthy life tries to keep its relationships and friendships healthy as well. If you've got worries, if you've got fears, if you're feeling exhausted, if you're struggling today, please tell somebody. Tell somebody. So pulling this all in, what I'm actually encouraging you to do today, you know, am I speaking to anybody who just wants to pull the duvet covers up over their head? Um, You know, you feel like the pile of things you've got mounting up is so high that you're never going to get to the top of it. Are you feeling physically, emotionally, or spiritually exhausted? God has a self-care recovery plan for you with those four elements totally covered in it. First, get your physical act together. Maybe you need to rearrange your schedule that you get to bed a bit earlier. Get some more rest. Then do the emotional. Talk about what you're feeling. Tell God how it really feels for you today. Tell a friend. If you're part of Life Central Church and you're part of a connect group, tell your connect group leader. Maybe work out what or even who drains you. Listen, not everybody, everybody fills my tank. Some people are draining. Some experiences we go through are draining. We need to make sure that we've got more going in than we've got coming out. Who does that for you? Who could you call today that would just give you a right laugh on the phone? You know those people that come to mind straight away. Then... Then you can start to refocus and recenter on God. So, where might you be spiritually empty today? If given that opportunity, could today be your day of rest? Well, I'm going to give you that opportunity. God will constantly give you that opportunity, but I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. Right now. Because if we sort out this self-care thing, if we take responsibility for looking after our souls, we start to gain a better awareness of where we might be pushed to our limits at times. You know, what areas do you need to start keeping a watchful eye over? And then I can also start to have a clearer picture of where I can get help then, a bit where I I may need to talk to my friends and my family. Because what I want to do is get to the point where I can be more aware of where I can help others too. Because that's what we call as Christians kingdom living. This is how God intended community to work. But none of this really works out at all, you know, if I don't get my own house in order first. So I want to ask you one question. One question. Where do I need a hand up so I'm able to stretch a hand out? Where do I need a hand up so I'm able to stretch a hand out. And I just want to pray for you right now, if that's you in the room or if that's you right where you are today, right in your living room, or wherever you're listening to this in your car, as you're driving, I just want to pray for you right now. And Jesus, you know how tired I am. You know how worn worn out I am. You know how weary I feel. You know how my emotions are. You know how often I just feel, I just can't do this anymore. But I get up tomorrow and I do it again. But God, I want to say to you this today that I need your help. I need you to restore my soul. Would you help me to take the next step that I need to take today? Help me to get the rest I need. Help me to spend time with you. Help me to talk to you about my feelings and my frustrations. Help me to get 
back into this community if I feel myself disconnecting. Help me find my small group, my connect group, so I can have support, so that then I can give myself to helping others. I acknowledge today, Lord, that I need a hand up because I want to be able to stretch a hand out. Amen. So what's your next step today? Is it to make that doctor's appointment? Is it to put vegetables back on your menu? Is it to send that email off to start that conversation? Is it to go back to your connect group this week? And as we come to sing our last song together, whatever it is that you know, that you know that you've been neglecting about yourself, and remember this is about you and only you, it's time to tackle it. It's time to tackle it. Because it's time to look after the you that God has made you to be so you can do the good works that God has called you to do. Let's sing this last song and connect with him.